Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. It's Trags. And this week on Red Sox Beat, I welcome the one and only Ian Brown of MLB.com covering all things Red Sox. You can follow him on Twitter at Ian M. Brown. That's I-A-N-M-B-R-O-W-N-E. How are you, bud? I'm great, Trags. How are you doing? Good to, good, to, good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's been a long time. You were the um, first uh, guest on my iteration of the Red Sox Beat podcast, and uh, I do appreciate it way back when. Um, a lot has changed for the Red Sox since we last spoke, uh, most prominently the return of their ace Chris Sale on Saturday in the uh, 16-2 to romp. The Red Sox offense took a lot of the pressure off Chris Sale, number 41, uh, making it pretty easy for him. But still, Sale looked uh, very sharp, five innings, six hits. Ian, I don't know about you. He allowed two runs in the five innings, but the most important thing about Saturday, the eight strikeouts and no walks. That, to me, tells me that he had really good control and command of all of his pitches. Yeah, it was, it was really encouraging for him to, to come in after not pitching in a major league game for two years and pitch with, with that kind of control. And, uh, you know, everybody else was, was kind of being was kind of being patient a little bit and uh, wondering how he would be when he when he first got back. And uh, Sale was like, man, this isn't just uh, I'm not just going to ease into this. This is kind of this is go time. Uh, so he's been getting ready for this. That You know, you know, his work ethic. Uh, nobody works harder. Nobody's more uh, determined. And, uh, you know, he just he looks better, too. He got into great shape. He, he put on a little bit of a. Believe it or not, he put on a little bit of weight, uh, you know, during this. Will it stay? <laughs> yeah, that's, will it stay, yeah. That's what I wonder with a guy with a, a physique and a metabolism like Chris Sale. You know, he puts that weight on and hopefully in the right places and in the right ways. But um, the idea is so that he has more endurance, more strength toward the end of the season. Now, fortunately for him, uh, his season's not going to be very long. This is really for him, yeah. like what 2020 was for most of Major League Baseball, a sprint. So it's a sprint to the finish. Is that really the mentality he's taken? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, and look, uh, this, this is huge for the Red Sox to have him back. It completely changes the complexion of their team. You know, you look at yesterday, Eduardo Rodriguez right. uh, pitches a great game. And now suddenly he's the number two starter. And he looks a whole lot better in that number two slot than he does as a one. Uh, Nathan Avaldi looks a lot better as a three than he does as a two. And then you have uh, Tanner Houck, the young, exciting prospect, um, who's going to pitch one of the uh, games against the Yankees in a doubleheader. Um, he, you know, he's he and Nick Pavetta, and Pavetta's had some great moments this year. He's had a couple really bad performances that have sort of skewed his ERA a little bit, but. You look at those guys with the four and five um, with their stuff, that, you know, that's not bad. So the Red Sox suddenly feel pretty good that, you know, they're going to be sending a good pitcher to the mound um, every day through the rotation. And that was not the case when, um, when Garrett Richards and Martin Perez were in this rotation. Uh, now you shift Perez and Richards to the bullpen and suddenly right. they, 
you know, 95 and above fastballs that suddenly look a lot better, um, you know, in a relief role, whether it's going uh, long or going middle or um, going in extra innings at, at some time. So I think they feel a lot better, not just about their rotation, but uh, about their overall pitching staff right now. Yeah. And, and I really did think on Saturday when the Red Sox scored four in the first and two in the second, it was six, nothing right out of the gate. Uh, and to have, you know, and, and, you know, sale did give up the two runs in the third inning, uh, but to have that kind of cushion right away, uh, I think, you know, for sale was something that he could fall back on. Now, some pictures uh, would rather it be a close tense taut game early on so they can keep their focus and not, you know, a, a game where they know subconsciously they've got a big margin of error. Some, t- some pictures don't respond well to that, but I thought sale um, based on what I could see off TV, he looked to respond to that pretty well. Yeah, no, he, he was, he was completely locked in, completely fired up. And that crowd that you had on Saturday, I'm a, many people commented on that track. You know what Fenway's like when it's yep. just that full throat and everybody's into it. I mean, it was like that before the first uh, pitch was even thrown. It reminded me of kind of one of those Pedro starts back in the day where you could just feel the energy um, in Fenway. And I know Sale felt it. And it was kind of just, uh, you know, one of those special days where you knew they were going to score a lot of runs. You knew he was, you kind of knew he was going to pitch well. And uh, they had a good opponent in the Orioles. To kind of, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> we could get to that. Um, yeah. You know, for for all of the troubles that the Red Sox had been going through in the previous, what, 11 games, two and nine uh, in those 11 games, or I believe that's what it was. Um, they needed the Orioles in the absolute worst way to come into town. I mean, they're baseball's worst team. They, they look like they did back in 2018 and 2019 uh, when they were challenging the 62 Mets uh, for the most losses in baseball history. Real quick aside here, Ian, what's happened with the Orioles? Why, why have they plummeted back to the depths? Yeah. I mean, I think they're just, they're just tanking right now, Trags. I mean, they, they have, they have a couple of players to work with. They have uh, Mancini, who's a really good player and a great story. One of the best stories of the season coming back from, uh, from colon cancer and Cedric Mullins is a, a real nice player. And, um, you know, the big, uh, their big prop, their big pro- prospect, uh, Mountcastle, but he's hurt. So that's a big, uh, that's a big loss right there. So they're just a team that, um, you know, they're building it back up. I think that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do. They're not, they're not gonna, they're not gonna stay this bad. I think they, they know uh, they're conscious of what they're doing and they're trying to stack a good uh, draft pick, but uh, the Red Sox did need this kind of opponent. And tracks one thing the Red Sox didn't get enough credit for is um, for about a month and a half, they were playing nothing but playoff caliber opponents every day. And I think that has something to do with, you know, they, they handled that stretch very well for about the first. I think they got tired. I think mentally yeah. and fatigued. Yeah. Over, yeah, go ahead. They Over the yeah. last 11 games. Yeah, I think for the first month or so, they handled that stretch great. And they they pulled out a couple, you know, quite a few games in the late innings and they were feeling good. And, yeah, I think they just hit um, that wall that, you know, some teams hit that in August. I think the Red Sox hit it in July. And I think, you know, maybe a little bit of a letdown when, um, it seemed like every team in baseball was making huge moves at the trading deadline. And the one big move the Red Sox made, the guy, Kyle Schwarber, wasn't going to be ready for two weeks. So I think that, um, you know, maybe they needed a boost of energy at that time and they didn't get it. And I think that you sort of saw that in the way that they played. Um, not that they were mad at the front office, but they just didn't get that kind of boost of adrenaline. And I think now um, Schwarber came back Friday, uh, Sale came back Saturday. 
<clears throat> I think now you're getting that 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 boost of adrenaline the team needed, and now um, you know they have they play the Yankees, but then they have some, some they play Minnesota, who've been tough lately, but they're not a very good team. Uh, they play Texas, so they have finally some um, easier points in their schedule for just a bit here, where they can maybe uh, get back on their feet a little bit. And games at home, I think that's also important yeah. to note. You know, they have this quick three game uh, road trip to Yankee stadium, which is, you know, obviously very close by. So the travel is not really a big deal. They have the two games, the two seven inning games on Tuesday, and then they have the regularly scheduled uh, night game on Wednesday. This was going to be a two game series. It's three, of course. Now, then they have uh, the, the three game series bracketed around two off days today, obviously Monday, as we record this and Thursday, they have an off day and then they hit into the uh, six game homestand against Texas and Minnesota. You're right. And I think this uh, is the type of the part of the schedule where they can make up some, Hey, make up some ground on um, in, you know, games that were lost and the most horrible loss of the season. I think we'd all agree was the nine, uh, eight loss in Toronto a week yeah, ago, yeah. Sunday. That was a terrible loss. We <laughs> just, uh, I, look the day they had finally gotten back on track and then uh, they just couldn't they got an early lead and couldn't add on to it and then um, I think it was uh, Barnes just kind of fell apart that day uh, he went through a stretch where they really uh, they really overused him and I think Alex Gore was kind of admitted that he kind of screwed this guy up a little bit he pitched four four times in four days capped with that uh the game he um he came into a tie game against the Rays which seemed like another game the Red Sox were up they were a four to one on that one, and that one fell apart. And Barnes just got wrecked in that game. So, um, he did have four. He had four full days off this week. Um, Ottavino had a full week off, and he was really rusty um, when he when he came back. But I think that that rest they they needed that rest. Um, they their bullpen was really overworked for a stretch, and I think that's another benefit of the starting the rebuilt starting rotation that I was talking about. Was I think now yep. the bullpen is not going to be quite so taxed. Hopefully, he can have some more six. And even, uh, God forbid, seven inning outings tracks like we remember pitchers used to have back in the day. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, as opposed to all these five inning outings that uh, we've been seeing, four and five inning outings, that just takes a toll on a bullpen um, in the Red Sox. If you're going to do that, uh, teams need to carry 14 pitchers. I mean, yeah, the Red 14... Sox have carried. The Red Sox have, carried. have carried that many. Yeah, for quite a bit of the season. And it still <laughs> sometimes uh, hasn't been enough. But, you know, Richards and Perez tracks, uh Nice guys. They were just kind of killing this team. Um, they were just too many non-competitive efforts, especially as too many games where he was out by the second or third inning. Um, Richards would seem to go three, four innings and do pretty well. And then just uh, he would he would melt down in the middle of his start. So those were just um, taking a taking a mental, physical uh, toll on the team for a while. So, I, you know, I, I just think that if you can just get these starters rolling, Red Sox starting pitchers the last nine, nine games going into this Monday off day have just been great um, for nine games in a row. So I think that, you know, if that continues, this this team could have a really exciting stretch run. Especially with Chris Sale coming back. Speaking with Ian Brown of MLB.com, of course, covering the Red Sox for MLB.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Ian M. Brown, all one word. Hey, sports fans, bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season in full swing, heading 
down the penance direction. You can track all of the action at Bet Online. Get all of the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and of course, UFC MMA action. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It is the very best way to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or even your mobile device, of course, and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on all of the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts back with ian brown of mlb.com covering the red Sox. all right there was another significant piece that made its uh debut in the red Sox roster you alluded to him earlier kyle schwarber uh he made his debut on friday but uh, on sunday he was uh, very impressive in the six to two win over the orioles uh kyle schwarber two for four with a run scored and two doubles, doubled the right field in the sixth inning and off the left field wall in the seventh. His first two hits with the Red Sox. Look, I don't think anybody is expecting him to uh, light the world on fire, but he is a left-handed bat that can provide some depth and some options for Alex Cora. He's not going to be, I don't think, uh, your answer at first base. I think Travis Shaw, who was picked up off waivers on Sunday, might be more the case. You alluded to that. But what do you think of Kyle Schwarber and his debut with the Red Sox, Ian? Yeah, Kyle Schwarber just gives this team a great at-bat. Um, even when he doesn't get hits, he just he works the count. He's more patient than a lot of their hitters drags. And, uh, you know, he's just, uh, you know, the double to right, the fact that he, he hit a double to the base of the wall and right, and then uh, just took a nice, easy swing, lazy fly ball off the monster. You know, you know, tracks for a left-handed hitter who's able to do that, able to use that wall, becomes a really dangerous hitter uh, at Fenway Park. And yep. as far as um, de- defensively, look, they didn't get this guy for his glove. No. They're going to figure that not. out. Um, he's dh his first couple games. He's going to DH uh, for most of this week because they just want to keep his legs under me coming back from that uh, – that uh, hamstring or quad injury uh, he had. And uh, yeah, like you said, uh, you know, they talked about first base when they first got him. Um, I don't know if they didn't like what they see on the workouts or they just said, you know, he did get a, a groin strain while he was recovering from the hamstring. So maybe they just don't want to put too much on his legs right away, but I think you're going to see him uh, mostly at DH, maybe a little bit in left field. And JD Martinez is going to play more left field. And look, JD's not terrible out there you know, in left field. I would agree with that. I mean, he doesn't embarrass himself. He doesn't have all the range in the world. And that's where you don't need the range in left field at Fenway Park. Yeah. So I think the Red Sox are going to sacrifice a little defense down the stretch in hopes of of having a real um, deep offense here. So what you're going to see is you're going to see um, JD and Schwarber kind of um, rotating between DH and left field. This is going to push um, Alex Verdugo, uh, mainly to center, I think, maybe right field at times when, when Hunter Renfro um, sits out against a tough righty. And, um, you know, Jaron Duran, you know, I, I think he, he could be the odd man out here, at least in the everyday lineup. He didn't play um, Sunday against a righty that was sort of eye-opening. They had Verdugo in center, and they had, uh, you know, J.D. and Schwarber. They had J.D. in left and Schwarber's at DH. And I think that's what you're going to see more of. And Shaw, um, who, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people look at the, 
191 average and say, oh, yeah, here's another 190 hitter for the Red Sox to play at first base. Look, Trax, we both know I'm watching Travis Shaw. This guy's been a streak hitter his entire career. So you get this guy in a good streak right now. He's obviously going to be energized coming back to Boston, the team that he grew up with. Um, doesn't have many teammates left here. Uh, I think uh, he's got uh, Xander Bogarts and and Matt Barnes are the only two I can think of off the top of my head. But it's a place that uh, you know it's a place that he's comfortable in in Boston. So gives him an experienced glove at first. Um, so you, you kind of rotate him and Dahlbeck, kind of play the matchups. And and Dahlbeck has been hitting lately. I don't know if it's the competition where he realized he has. I've noticed that. In. But uh, he's been swinging the bat a little better. So um, Shaw gives them that little extra piece right now. I don't think you have to force uh, – you don't have to force Kyle Schwarber into playing first base, but I don't think that he's comfortable. You just want Kyle Schwarber to be focusing on great at-bats. You don't want him to be thinking too much on, on defense right now. No, you don't. And I, I, I think Alex Cora, if there's one guy that I would trust to be able to handle and manage and juggle – all of the pieces, the moving parts, as they like to say, uh, in the order, it would be uh, Alex Cora. I think, you know, Alex Cora, Ian, you're around the team all the time. I want to get your impression on how he's done in terms of trying to keep the ship afloat as they, you know, went through that tough two and nine stretch as the Tampa Bay Rays started to pull away a little bit. You had the New York Yankees who are still on their tail, you know, breathing down their necks. How, How is he handling all of this? Yeah, he's just very calm, Drags. He he doesn't overreact. I think that um, the one thing I did see from him is I thought he he did manage a little more panic in some of these games where he was. Uh, I thought at times he was pulling the starters a little a little quick, and then at other times maybe sticking with them too long. Maybe he was feeling the moment a little bit, but he's reset now. And uh, he was just uh, he was just going through a tough spell where when guys are aren't coming through. It kind of forces you to maybe, like I said, overuse Matt Barnes a little bit. But I think that he's gathered himself and he, he's a very good manager um, and he's made a huge difference and he's um, I think he's the biggest reason the Red Sox are where they are in the standings right now and a lot of people expect them to finish in fourth place this season so uh, you know Alex Cora uh, is a very good manager and he like you know we were talking about the interchangeable pieces of the line he loves managing a lineup like that I mean yep. you saw in 2018 where you had uh, you know you had uh, Steve Pierce and Mitch Moreland and um, Eduardo Nunez and Brock Holt and Ian Kinsler. And you had a bunch of guys you were sort of interchanging. He likes that kind of managing. He likes having a versatile roster where you can, everyone on the roster sort of has a purpose. And I think that's what you'd have right now where tracks, there's been too much Franchi Cordero. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, Marwin Gonzalez, who was just designated for assignment, too many automatic outs in this lineup. And now you have, now you're going to have a roster full of guys, I think, who can contribute. And it's just going to be, a much better lineup, I think, for, for Alex Cora to be able to, to manage and maneuver. That being said, Ian, this team was still very successful in the first half, even with all of those question marks yeah. in the lineup. I mean, you, you have to understand, I think, if you're a Red Sox fan, that Alex Cora was a big part of the reason why with the starting rotation pretty much um, a huge question mark with a lot of band-aids in that rotation uh to start the season and some of the bench pieces or lineup pieces even as you mentioned uh really big time question marks in the bottom four of the order um they still were the second or third best team in baseball for most of the first half of the year yeah the team was playing with a lot of fire and for much of the year they've led the league and uh comeback wins tampa bay has since passed them in that category but yeah he you know he did a great job that first uh that first 
three months, really April, May, June, this team was excellent. That really positioned them to have the stretch run that they're going to have right now where it looks you know, it looks like they're going to be playing uh, meaningful baseball the entire season. And uh, Cora was really pushing all the right buttons early uh, with this team. And it just got to a point, um, you know, like I said, where guys get tired and they were just too many, too many automatic outs uh, in the lineup. I mean, Franchi Cordero, nice guy, but just uh, one of the most 4A players I've seen in a while. <laughs> he just can't give them a quality of bat. He can't make the adjustments or improvements. And uh, Marwin Gonzalez just uh, didn't have anything left. And, uh, you know, Dahlback was slumping. Duran was slumping. They just had uh, too many guys who weren't hitting uh, at the same time, in addition to the pitching problems they were having. So it was just one of those stretches. And, now, you know, now as they go into New York, the goal is for them to prove that that, that was just a rough stretch and, and not a sign that uh, the team was about to nosedive or anything. So I think this is going to be a big week for the Sox. What about the bullpen? Uh, what, what are your feelings, your impressions on uh, the bullpen, the way they've been able to bounce back? Um, Adam Adovino uh, left Sunday's game with a left shoulder contusion. Uh, first of all, do you know anything on that? Yeah, I mean, he just got hammered by a line drive, and it was kind of a scary thing, and you just kind of heard it from the press box. And it's just one of those things that was good that it, it was his non-throwing shoulder, at least. So I'm sure he's going to be very sore today. So. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if he's available for the Yankee series, but look, the, the bullpen right now tracks, that's probably the biggest question mark on this team because they, they really hit a wall that, that losing streak they had the, the bullpen really, that was probably the, the toughest part, but the team, the Matt Barnes is kind of, uh, you know, he's going to have to bounce back right here this week. Um, of, you know, hopefully he's healthy. If he doesn't need to go on the IL, I'm not sure uh, yet. Um, he, he's going to need to contribute Salamora. Um, and really the guy who's one of the MVPs of this team track is really Garrett. Yes. It's just been unbelievable. Um, he just had an untimely mishap against the Rays in the opener in the homestand in that game. They led uh, four to two when he came in and he uh, gave up the lead, but really it's only the one of the, I can remember two or three times all season where he didn't come through for this team. So he's been huge. He's got a, his importance is going to get bigger down the stretch. Uh, Hirokazu Sawamura. Um, he's been a guy who's been pretty good all year. Um, he's going to be more important down the stretch. And, uh, you know, they got, uh, you know, Josh Taylor's been good from the left side. So I think they're in good shape there. But I do think that, um, you know, Richards and Perez, um, they make the bullpen look a little better because I think their stuff, um, hopefully if they, I know Perez has a great attitude, but hopefully Richards is not um, moping around because um, with his stuff, he could be a weapon in the bullpen track. And it's just as many guys, in today's MLB, it's as many guys you know as well as I do in the mid to late inning to a throwing 95 or higher. Yep. Um, that's how you win baseball games in uh, MLB uh, 2021, especially if you get to October. You need as many guys as you can kind of in that bullpen. Well, and you need to run up against a team that is not uh, going to be as particular uh, when they're uh, swinging at pitches, meaning. Uh, you need to uh, face teams that are going, going to be more aggressive because I found in watching these games that when you have hard throwers out of the bullpen, if you run up against the lineup that is going to take pitches and has no problem hitting with two strikes, um, th those are the teams that usually have success waiting out the hard throwers in the bullpen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the good things about the Red Sox offense when they're going well is that, um, you know, they can beat good teams. They can beat good pitching staffs and, uh, you know, the, these Red Sox relievers, they're, they're just going to have, they're going to have to get back to pounding the strike zone, kind of trusting yep. their stuff. Um, I've seen a lot of nibbling going on 
lately. And Barnes just has to get back to where he was early in the year when he was just kind of going after guys. And of late, he's looked kind of more like the old pre-2021 Matt Barnes where he's nibbling around. And Trags, um, you know, he's got a great curveball, but, dude, you got a 96, 97 mile Yes, use the fastball. Yeah, and be, attack. Be, be aggressive, especially at the it drives me crazy, Trags, when guys are nibbling at the bottom of the order. And I've seen Barnes like walk a number nine hitter because um, he's throwing too many curveballs when you have like, a, you know, the, the top of the order coming up. Just uh, don't do that. Don't slow their bats down. You know, just uh, if you, it, it, unless you're going to the meat of the order, just just use your fastball. And I think that's what Barnes needs to do is he just needs to get back to being aggressive and trusting that that good fastball that he has. How does the pitching rotation line up for uh, this week uh, with the Yankees? I haven't uh, taken. Yeah, they're going to go. They um, they it's listed as a TBD only because they're going Hauk and um, and Evaldi in the first in the doubleheader, but they hadn't for some reason they haven't disclosed which order they're going to be in yet. So it's going to be Hauk and Evaldi in some order um, against uh, you know, and then they're going to go with Pavetta in the Wednesday game in New York, and then you have Sale back out there Friday against Texas and Erod Saturday. So it shapes up to be a pretty good week for the Red Sox pitching-wise if these guys can kind of um, do what they should do. I think it's going to be really exciting to see Tanner Howe pitch in, in Yankee Stadium. And Evaldi has just been an absolute Yankee killer track since he, jo- since he joined the Red Sox. I mean, he just – every time he pitches against them, pretty much at zero or one run. So I think they're in good shape to, at the very least, um, split that doubleheader on Tuesday, which is what they need to do. They don't need to sweep it. They just need to split it and then hopefully win that game on uh, on Wednesday, get out of there and win two out of three. Yeah, TBD against Gill and then um, TBD uh, against Montgomery uh, in the nightcap on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, uh, Nick Pavetta goes uh, and the Yankees are still TBD on that. I got to ask you your uh, impression, a couple of things here. Impre- uh, your impression of uh, the game uh, out in a field of dreams game out in Iowa. And if the Red Sox, if the MLB has any plans on uh, putting the Red Sox in that uh, jewel event, as MLB yeah. likes to call it. Yeah. I thought, I thought the game was great tracks. It was really, uh, you know, it was just a lot of fun to kind of just get, you know, we all saw that movie and just to kind of yep. get back and see you guys playing in a cornfield. It was really cool. And you know, both teams were caught up in it, which I thought was cool. The White Sox and Yankees really uh, enjoyed that. And, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I, I don't know if the Red Sox are going to play, but I think they should. I think they should have the Red Sox play in that game. I think they're one of the teams um, with the, the historic following. And, you know, teams like the Red Sox or the Dodgers are the teams that just have the big fan bases. I think those are the teams that should be playing um, in, in that type of game. So I hope so. I'd love I'd love to go out there myself and hopefully not have to drive out there like Ryan Hoke did after <laughs> his flight got canceled. And we all saw that. That went viral. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to go out there and, and check out the, uh, the Field of Dreams and see that. Um, I would say Red Sox, Reds out in the cornfield would be great. Red Sox, Cardinals hey, yeah. would be great. Uh-huh. Uh, either one of those two make a ton of sense. And um, I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but um, MLB needs to lift the uh, blackout restrictions. I, I, Ian, it, it's just one of those things that this brings up every time. And, you know, it, it became a sidelight, a sidebar to uh, the game itself that um, a lot of fans out in Iowa that want to follow their team 
can't do so. And I just think that, you know, MLB, I think will eventually change their opinion, change their minds on this and allow more fans out there to see the game because there's a clamoring for it, right? You know, you don't know necessarily that there are all of these, you know, hundreds of thousands of fans wanting to watch your product until you actually go out there and kind of do um, a sample with boots on the ground and go, oh, wow, these these fans are really yeah. rabid for baseball, but they have no way of following their own teams because of our restrictions. Yeah, no, I think that's something that's ongoing. They're working on this with the uh, the local cable companies, the RSNs, as, as you will, as they call them. And I think that right. um, something. But uh, yeah, I just think that that event, though, that was just awesome. I mean, I, I haven't seen baseball yet. Um, that many rave reviews for an event in a long time. So that was just, uh, that was just, they, they. Baseball did it right. I mean, look, baseball takes a lot of grief and a lot of criticism uh, for not being up with the times and being, you know, and falling maybe even as low as fourth in the the standings of the four major sports uh, in North America that have been around for the past half century or so. And uh, this, you got to tip your cap to whoever it was who came up with this idea. It, w- it was brilliant. It really was. Not only was it a brilliant idea, Ian, but it was w- very, very well executed. Yeah, yeah, I like that track, and I also like the um, the Williamsport game that they do. I, I can't remember if they're still doing that this year. The game uh, that played in conjunction with the Little League World Series out there, but the Red Sox were actually supposed to play in that one last year against the Orioles, but. Uh, that was a casualty of COVID. So hoping to get out there at some point too, uh, because those things are just great showcases. Anytime MLB plays somewhere different or goes abroad, I've, I've been lucky enough to go to Japan and to London with the Red Sox. Um, so anytime uh, MLB does any of those events too, it's just, it's just great for, for kind of growing the game. Worldwide traveler Ian Brown is going to be doing some traveling of his own uh, locally, regionally uh, this week. You and me both are going to be, uh, uh moving uh doing a lot of moving of kids into college yeah tracks i've got new york for work and then i've got philadelphia for moving in son number three uh in into college uh and then i get back from philadelphia no sooner do i pack up the car again the next morning um to take my second child um to his sophomore year in school in new hampshire so and then back to fenway that night so it's going to be a busy it's going to be just a busy week for me, Trags, and I'm looking forward to it. But at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be pretty tired by the end of it. And I think that off day next Monday is going to be well time for me where I'm just going to, um, you know, I'm probably just going to, to just relax that day and just put my feet up. And you know, uh, I, w- I will not be on your bad side uh, next Monday or whenever it is, uh, I would not be around you, uh, or I would not be around anybody who's done that amount of traveling and then undergone that amount of stress, uh, in a week's period. Um, but I know you'll handle it with the, uh, good nature that you all always exhibit to me and others, Ian. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a fun week. Honestly, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I am too. So Janie's going to be a senior at Miami here in um, Miami of Ohio and Cincinnati. And uh, Emma's going to be a freshman at Dayton right up the road, right up 75. So uh, it'll be busy for me, but nowhere near as busy as it is for you. But uh, I want to thank you for Ian for uh, coming back on the Red Sox beat podcast. You are a trooper. That was fun, Trags. Let's do it. uh, 
Let's do it again, maybe before the playoffs. May, uh, perhaps before the playoffs, we could be uh, looking at some very fascinating races, not only uh, for the AL East, but for the wild card and whether or not the Red Sox are fighting for home field advantage in that wild card game. I want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest. Ian Brown of MLB.com covering the Red Sox on a daily basis, unlike anybody else on the beat. And yes, Rob Bradford, that means you. You can tell him <laughs> I said that, Ian. Follow uh, Ian on Twitter at Ian M. Brown, all one word. want to also thank our great sponsor, betonline.ag. For Ian Brown, I'm Mike Petralia, and this has been the Red Sox Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.